0: Welcome back to A Complete
2: History of Manchester United. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, author and producer of several Manchester United books and films, joined as always by the legendary football writer Paddy Barclay, author of several Manchester United books, several football books, in fact, um, relevantly for, for this series, of course, author of the definitive biography of Sir Matt Busby, biographies of Jose Mourinho. Alex Ferguson as well in there um, Mm -hmm. for for your reading delight. We are taking you on this journey through Old Trafford history. If you're watching the video, please give it a like and subscribe. Join in the conversation in the comment section. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to subscribe and give us a review on the platform you're listening on. Um, So Manchester United season, Paddy, 72-73 kickoff. um, The preseason is in the South Coast. they play a couple of games down there and then they move on to Denmark and Germany. What do you feel the um, feeling? Were? I mean, they finished eighth for a few seasons in a row. Yeah, um, Franco farrell has got his feet under the table. He's got a couple of players in there. He's got the promise of more money to spend if he needs it. What mm. do you think the ambitions would have been for Frank looking forward?
3: Yeah, uh, onwards and outwards. Um, I mean, it, 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 it wasn't to turn out that way, but... Uh, I think, by and large, he, he knew he had a fight on his hand, but uh, you know, with this aging, uh, great side of five years earlier that it had won the European Cup, um, with Matt Busby, um, you know, still on the scene and still casting a, a shadow, however, inadvertently. So, I don't think Frank O'Farrell and Malcolm Musgrove's assistant, would have been comfortable, but... You know, this was Manchester United. He he'd left Leicester City to progress to the next level. Um, so yes, he would have been looking to
2: do what would what would now be called a a, a Europa League slot. Definitely. Yeah, he'd be looking. You would have thought maybe top five, top six. Yeah, they yes. wouldn't yes. have been. Obviously, I don't think anyone at Old Trafford was believing that they were ready for a title challenge. But at the same time, they were, you know, the hope uh, with every blank page of a new season is that you're going to kick on from where you were before. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, events that, and they weren't helped by a a few um, problems at the start of the season. The first um, rumbling of discontent was a comment from Brian Clough, who said something like, No one has a chance at Old Trafford while Sir Matt is likely to appear around the corner. And again, he wasn't blaming. Busby for that. He was like, "That's a natural consequence of Busby being around." It wasn't saying that yeah. Busby was It was like, while Busby's still employed, while he's still around the club. Yeah.
3: Um, well, have that, that, that that was true. I it, I think it was. You know, it was a comment that has been uh, vindicated by by the passing years. Um, um, but it it is also true that that Sir Matt and and Brian Clough were very different people. so Matt did not like. The brashness of this guy, and of course, the previous season um, they had they had clashed very publicly when um, Ian Story Moore was seduced out of uh, Brian Clough's clutches by by Sir Matt. So um, uh, and, and 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 by now at Manchester United, we or actually since we've mentioned Ian Story Moore. Uh, it didn't help this 72-3 season from Manchester United's point of view, nor did it help Ian Storymore's career, that he'd sustained an injury <coughs> in training at the, at the cliff that was eventually to really um, pay to what was a very, very exciting career.
2: Yeah. Um, not helped as well by the fact that other players were unavailable for different kinds of reasons dennis lowe still struggling with his knee injury but dropped by o'farrell as was bobby charlton at the start of the season um it began disastrously um united lose against Ipswich on the opening day they lose at liverpool and then at everton merseyside double blow um o'farrell taking the decision to drop charlton which is the headline one really not so much dennis lowe because of the injury problems yeah not helped by the fact that george best who has returned from marbella but hasn't trained, hasn't really trained in pre-season, and didn't play any of the pre-season games. So he's already playing catch-up with that. Um, he's obviously needing firepower in the front line. He wants to shake it up, but tries to do that by dropping Bobby Charlton. This yeah. um, creates a conflict, a, a function at the club, right? Where well, Farrell's wife Anne is yeah. caught in a confrontation with Busby, where Busby yeah. had said something to Anne, but almost off the cuff, like. Um, Oh, I wouldn't have made that decision, and then and bit back at him. Yeah. Um, and this sort of played out over the next coming weeks, and, and O'Farrell was obviously very unhappy and having that sense of feeling, especially with this wanting this blank slate of a new season, wanting to kick on and move forward. But you mm. mentioned earlier in the <coughs> there was this distrust of Busby, mm. and that was. Facility, that was emphasised basically by what had happened there. It, not only had the season only just begun, Busby's mm-hmm. straight in there, like making a comment. However, you know, innocent that remark was at a club function, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Farrell's back was definitely up with that. Um, yes, <clears throat> I mean, I think an example of of of
3: the of the sort of disconnect between various factions at at the club was. And the fact that O'Farrell was being undermined uh, was that um, David Meek, who's appeared a a lot in this podcast, the late David Meek, the perennial correspondent, United correspondent of the Manchester Evening News, decided to go into print with a a piece. I mean, bear in mind that, uh, as you've rightly said, United's form was dismal. I mean, as winter was closing in, they were relegation candidates I mean serious relegation candidates <laughs> <clears throat> and David sensed that O'Farrell wasn't being supported enough just as you know perhaps he, he, he in fact he wrote a piece saying Wilf McGuinness was given 18 months <clears throat> now we've had just about 18 months of Frank O'Farrell that's not enough a manager needs more time than that that was what he wrote anyways called in by uh, uh, by the club I, I, can't, I don't know whether it was Matt or somebody else but he was told <clears throat> ticked off and accused of wanting to embarrass that was the word embarrass Manchester United and later David told me that he suspected he couldn't understand what do you mean embarrass Manchester United. Why does it embarrass Manchester United to, to say the manager needs more time? Because the decision had probably already been made that O'Farrell wasn't the man any more than Wolf was. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> not David Meek's fault, he just wrote a, uh, an honest opinion piece. But the prickly reaction
2: of Matt and the board uh, told its. Uh, in retrospect, was telling its own story. Yeah. There was another piece in one of the national newspapers as well where um, what I think it was in The Mirror, a, um, a United fan who wrote for The Mirror, um, well, a United fan, a United supporter, a supporting mm-hmm. journalist, he'd written something like, what is happening to my club? But obviously as meek as a local reporter is more likely to be called in. Uh-huh. Um, and things, yeah,
3: but yeah also- United did. Um, David was... a tradition had been established after munich i think that well david joined the paper uh, they joined the manchester evening news because his predecessor had been killed at munich but um david was sort of semi-embedded into manchester united he traveled with the team he stayed in the same hotel and so on but and as you say, they felt proprietary They felt they could take him off. They could obviously they couldn't call in the guy from the mirror yeah. uh, because he wasn't accorded the same privileges. But basically, those privileges that that David had enjoyed between 1958 and 1972 were withdrawn because of his article. Yeah. You're not travelling with the team anymore. Fine. Uh, he went to his editor, his editor said, you know, what, how do I reply? Do I do you want me to be conciliatory to, to Manchester United or do you want me to tell them to, um, well, I, w- I won't say the word that he said, but go away. And <clears throat> and David said, oh, try and just do something down the middle, you know. Difficult David conciliatory attitude. But that that was it um there was the end of the of 15 years in which david had been not only a chronicler of the club but a, a sort of a friend as well
2: yeah around that time he just started doing the manchester united books like an annual um yes. manchester united football book and they did continue for some time so he obviously continued with plenty of good access, but like you said, not nowhere near as intimately as um as he yeah. enjoyed uh, previously, which for David would have been a proper indulgence as well because of the fact that he loved United, he is. We close to, to them. Um, a real, a real, but United were lucky as well to have David. Let, let's let's put that on record as well. They were yes. like, lucky to have him. And he, when he was speaking, he was speaking from the heart, and everything that he was saying, the, the concerns he was showing, were true because even as we go forward the first 18 months under um O'Farrell's successor, as we'll get to, were disastrous. So it, it proves the point you need more than 18 months to see even start to begin to do that work. So we yeah. mentioned the other players, that uh, Charlton drops, Low dropped, dropped. Eventually they both recalled George Best um doesn't get dropped this time round. Um he sort of loses his way of his own regard. In the opening game of the season against Ipswich the Ipswich defenders are commenting on how easy it is to mark George out of the game because he's so rusty. He's, he's had this yeah. summer off. He's nowhere near match fit. And they they were almost embarrassed after the game talking about it because they didn't want to throw George under the bus, but they were commenting on it. You know, it was easy to play against him. Remember, this is the same Ipswich team of recent seasons where George had embarrassed them scoring uh-huh. from a corner and then almost doing it again. So yeah. much so that he was taking the mick out of Bobby Robson on the sidelines and now his full from grace is so significant, but he's, he's still in the team he scores his first goal against Leicester but United, uh, it's four goalless games from the first six games um, so prompts O'Farrell into the transfer market, yeah. another journalist reckons that it's going to cost United a million pound yeah. to um, solve their problems. the problems the reality is it's probably going to cost somewhere between one and two million because of the number of reinforcements needed. David Nish, the defender, has just moved to Derby for near a quarter of a million pounds, one hundred and twenty-five thousand. Yeah. So, United are going to need seven or eight players of that kind of caliber. Really, they, they exactly they spent. I mean, O'Farrell
3: spent a quarter of a million on uh, two strikers, yeah. Wynne Davis from uh, the the. Uh, you know, there was very much a sort of little and large combination. There was uh, Win Davis who was. Fantastic in the air, who came across the crossed the, the town from uh, Manchester City for a, a relatively modest twenty five thousand. Um, Ted McDougal, who was a, a real predator, a proven goalscorer at a certain level with Bournemouth, uh, he cost two two twenty. So there's there's a quarter of that um, notional one million pound budget uh, gone. On 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 strikers, um, these are people who have the extraordinarily difficult task of trying to replace the likes of um, Charlton and Law. <laughs> um, you know, good luck with that. Um, but yes, it, even even with that, uh, those two new strikers, United's form remained dismal. And approaching Christmas, uh, right as far as Christmas,
2: yeah. They they both scored a fair amount of goals at the start, yeah. both scoring in the early days. Um, Davies coming in as a, you would say, a de facto replacement for Lowe because Lowe was breaking down so often that yeah. he was the veteran expected to come in. So he wasn't ever a long-term gamble on, on Davies. It was a short-term yes. kind of fix. Whereas McDougal, mm-hmm. we'll get to him in due course, but he come from Bournemouth where and he, he'd been a prolific goal scorer in the lower reaches and basically... The, the one thing that had shot into prominence was he'd scored nine goals in a cup game for, for Bournemouth. So every yeah. eye in the land was on him to see how well he was doing, but no one would take the gamble on him yeah. until a team needed to take a gamble on him, which was Manchester United. And McDougall, because of the fact he cost this amount of money and because of the fact that you know he'd had this reputation where someone had to take a gamble at some point, someone had to take the punt, he was very much... The forefront figure at United, not like Davies. McDougall was expected to hit the ground running, and he was given all the fanfare of a top signing and everything like that. So he he was very much expected to to be the savior for for O'Farrell, or so he would hope. O'Farrell yeah. doing a lot of internal things as well, like he had Malcolm Musgrove draw lots to try and change the um, hotel arrangements, so different people would be staying with different people, different you know to try and break up cliques. But it wasn't working. The form was dreadful. There was no win in the first nine games. Mm. Um, a 4-1 home defeat to Spurs as well. Um, But he kept going off own Davies and McDougal both scored in a win over Liverpool, which he thought was going to be a turning point because then they again did it in a win over Southampton a week or so later. My best had started to go missing from training. Um So... O'Farrell dropped him. He dropped him for the trip to Norwich where United win. So that was three wins in four games. O'Farrell's got this little, Mm -hmm. tiny little run of momentum where he feels vindicated in dropping best, vindicated in the players that he's brought in. So he puts best on the transfer list. Unfortunately for O'Farrell, at the same time as he's notifying the press of that, Louis Edwards is telling the press that, because someone's gone to Louis Edwards about it and said, oh, what's this about George Best being on the transfer list? He says, no, George Best is not for sale. So it's already showing that they're not on the same page. Um, So no Charlton, no Best, no Law. Well, Law is fit enough to be third choice behind O'Farrell's new strikers. He needs the results to go his way desperately at this moment in time, because that's the thing that he's clinging to. Now the results need to keep going. Um, But United lose 2-0 to Stoke Mm. at Old Trafford. It's a very dismal performance, and the writing already appears to be on the wall. Like I said, United are in the relegation fight in the bottom places. They're really looking like they're Mm. going to go down. Um, They go to Crystal Palace, who are fellow strugglers who do go on to get relegated. That's not too much of a spoiler. They go to Crystal Palace, and they lose by five. Just mm. before Christmas, it's a shocking defensive performance. One of those performances you never, I mean, you, you spoke about David Meek commenting on 18 months and how you know we need time for managers, but sometimes there are individual defeats. People watching this will be familiar with United losing 5 0 to Liverpool at Old Trafford. Sometimes yes. an individual result can change the entire landscape. 4 0 of... to Brighton, exactly. I well, mean yeah, the, there are plenty of those to pick from because, there,
3: those those I mean we're talking now in 2022. Um you know how many for 50 years on from the season we're actually discussing and nearly 50 years on. Um and you know for, for youngsters, those two defeats in the 21-22 season, if you multiply them. <laughs> by two you get an idea of the defensive performance against crystal palace as the as the as the christmas of 1972 approached it was a total shambles against the team as, as you rightly say that were destined for relegation it was a however although a, a painful match from the Manchester united point of view it was to be a momentous one
2: yeah um it really was a terrible defensive display. I mean, you can the, the highlights of that all all over YouTube if you wish to um purvey them. And um, we also we covered that for in, in the film Too Good to Go Down with that the highlights of the, the low lowlights yeah. of that match there and yes. you can tell Alex Stepney looks absolutely bereft. Um mm. shot of confidence and shot of confidence in the players around him to do basics right because the goals are shambolic the way you wouldn't even expect them conceded by third division sides United are all over the place Um, there's no way out for O'Farrell basically Um, you couldn't imagine that he could turn the situation around anyway but it just so happens conveniently for United that the wheels are already motioned like you said first of all the the decision pretty much had already been taken anyway but secondly Tommy Docherty was in. Who was a Scotland manager? Yes. was in the director's well, box.
3: <clears throat> that's that's absolutely right. And he was. Tommy Doherty had taken over as yeah. Scotland manager. Made a very good impression there <clears throat> immediately. He, <clears throat> you know, as we know, he'd made his name at uh, at Chelsea before. And uh, he, <clears throat> Julie, excuse me, uh, in in the course of his duties as Scotland manager, the reason he was at Selhurst Park. Uh, that day was to watch Scotland candidates such as, 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 as Law, who was still rated highly enough by Tommy as, as, as to be a, a prospect, and, um, and Willie Morgan, <coughs> who, who throughout United's decline, you know, had, had retained good personal form. Um, and they, and this is an interesting one, They'd already, those two players, had already been approached by Busby and asked what they thought of Tommy Doherty as a manager. Well, um, certainly, uh, Willie was to change his opinion uh, in in later years, but that's for another day. Uh, But, you know, the the word came back. We think he's great. We think he's fantastic. So at, at any rate, he's there at Selhurst Park and Matt, who moves in... Not so mysterious ways, said I'd like you to meet someone, and in, uh, introduced him to Louis Edwards, Matt's friend and and the United German. They, um, Edwards, said, um, you know, what would how would you feel about being manager of Manchester United? Well, Doherty was a friend of. Uh, liked O'Farrell personally, and said, well, you've already got a manager. Only to be told that within a few days we won't have a manager, there will be a vacancy. So, you you know, that that, that die was already cast. Doherty then resolved, yeah, much as I like being Scotland manager, I'm not going to turn down Manchester United. Yes, I will take it. So that when, duly, within a few days, O'Farrell was sacked, the final betrayal, um, they already, Doherty had already put his departure from Scotland in train. Scotland, the Scottish FA had given permission for him to leave,
2: and and that was it. Manchester United had a new boss. Yeah, O'Farrell sacked. Musgrove went with him, and... Most shockingly, actually, um, John Aston was sacked at the same time, which um, mm. upset a lot of players who'd come up through John, and uh, they were very unhappy to see John go um, and upset John um, Junior this as well. John Aston, John Aston Senior, as, yeah. uh,
3: Junior had already gone, been transferred to Luton. Yeah, and as, as you rightly say, a very <clears throat> upsetting uh, moment in, in the history of Manchester United because John Aston, you know, he'd played in the forty-eight Cup Final, he was almost synonymous with the Busby era, always there, always there. Um either as a player or or in various background roles. Um so yeah,
2: the times were a changing. Yeah. Doherty renowned for um being straight to the punch with um straight to the punchline. Yeah. Um, often um, a wise cracking manager, really befitting of the profile. He, you know, he walked into Old Trafford full of confidence on his first day at the club. He went onto the pitch and just hummed to himself. You were made for me. I yeah. was made for you. And it's funny looking back and you mentioned the Scotland um, gig and the way that he walked out of that. And effectively the words were a variation of this, you know, United is the only job that I would leave Scotland for. Yeah. And he he loved the idea of being Manchester United manager and and what he was to do with Manchester United and the vision that he would, you know, eventually. I don't think it's telling any spoilers to say that he'd complete that vision to a certain extent. Now, obviously, because of what happened afterwards, he he, he always spoke, not in, in dull tones about United, but it was almost like he didn't love United as much as he did because of what United eventually did to him but from these early stages you could tell that he he really did love united and i'm not this as this podcast will tell and as we go on to some notes in this podcast we're definitely not a revisionist podcast well we like to tell it as it is even if it is ruining wolf mcguinness's stories or or statistical anomalies as i'm gonna go on to in this episode so I don't like to revise it and say that it wasn't what it was, or you know that it was that it wasn't. But Tommy did love United, and I wish that he, even in my conversations with him, I'm sure that you had the same conversations. Sometimes that some of that, I wouldn't say bitterness, because obviously he led a full and happy life. But some of that resentment that was still there from the way that he was treated or the way that he felt that he was treated. Sometimes yes. I wish that. We'd seen something else of Tommy that you know where he could. He, I mean, he always confessed his love for his team and his players, but never the club in the same way. And it seemed a shame because what he was to United and what he did do was obviously, <laughs> we'll come to some of it, was quite, um, yeah, we might say beyond the pale, but but he did. He, seemed to come through a love of the actual profile of the club and wanting to mould it in his own image um, while yes. still being somewhat faithful to its history as well he, he was <clears throat> he, he really was sort of hand in glove I, I can
3: remember his time at Manchester United looking back on it he was he was at home you know yeah. um, I remember him um, you know if, if, if you were at an away match you'd go into the hotel and oh and invariably in the lobby would be a huge pot of tea with tommy sort of sitting there like a king on his throne uh, and funnily enough one guy who was always with him uh, was the physiotherapist laurie brown yeah they were they were great friends um uh i'm trying to resist the spoiler at this stage so well let's move on um but you know he and, and and his assistant tommy kavanagh and we can talk about tommy kavanagh later if you like um but uh, those three cav as he was called yeah. the dog and Laurie would be sitting with a great big pot of tea watching the world go by and honestly tommy just seemed such a perfect fit for manchester united
2: yeah um, I don't think it is revisionist either to, when you look at the profile of Tommy and you look at his era, after Sir Alex and Sir Matt, I still maintain that the, maybe not successful in terms of trophies, but the most synonymous from any manager with Manchester United or the most identifiable, most beloved side is the Tommy Docherty Manchester United side, more than Atkinson, certainly more than any of the recent Sir Alex successors. Um, well, it's, it's an argument there to be had, for sure, but um, it would take some time to um come into effect. Um, a difficult start for, for Tommy, but eventually, as he um spent January spending money, um, the Totten Army impact. So, obviously, there was already an existing presence at, at an existing Scottish presence at United, right from the top through mm-hmm. the squad. Doherty, um, made that even more so. He'd been appointed or He'd been given Paddy Crerand as his assistant, which he was happy with at the start. Again, yeah. you mentioned text Billy text. Morgan. Textbook
3: stuff, isn't it? You get someone who's,
2: um,
3: you know, embedded in the club, a part of the club's furniture uh, as your assistant. It, it's uh, Jose Mourinho did it at Chelsea with Steve Clark and so on. I mean, that's they, they, just one of, of millions that come yeah. to mind. It's 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 sensible, you know. It's yeah. it's good to have a touchstone. Like that, and Paddy was was perfect for it, and you know, obviously um, bent on 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 having a coaching career, feeling he could contribute to the game beyond his, his playing career. So,
2: and, and and fellow Scott, no brainer. Also reinforced the squad with another, I think, so, nearly half a million pounds spent in a matter of weeks signing yeah. a number of Scottish players, and also Nick yeah. Martin, a midfielder. So. Yeah. Mick Martin had impressed and a friendly, so he was he was duly signed um, George Graham from yeah yes
0: yeah.
3: well, there were, there were the two Irish right? there was Mick Martin and Jerry Daly, both um, bargain buys who were to um, have quite an impact on Manchester United's first team I think yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and then and then and the four Scots it was like a, a Celtic fringe uh, more than a fringe uh, more like a beetle haircut actually. <laughs> and uh, the the most significant would be was was lou mccari yeah. uh, i mean clearly the doc had looked at, at davis and mcdougall and thought right okay i need a striker and uh he'd gone to celtic for um, back to celtic which had provided current many years earlier and and bought lou mccari um you know a guarantee a guy who'd grown up with kenny dalgleish you know one of the most uh, um, impressive uh, breakout players at Celtic in recent years so that was that was no problem George Graham uh, was another Scott uh, who came uh, and I, I'm trying to think of the other two uh, Jim Holton uh, would be one that was a that was a, a clever signing from Shrewsbury yeah. uh, big Jim Six foot two, eyes of blue, Holton. And the other one would, who would the other one be? McCallion. Uh, <clears throat> <throat> a little uh, later. I, I beg your pardon, Alex Forsyth, uh, right back from Partick Thistle. Um, very decent going forward. He'd, he'd been capped, I think he'd been first capped by the Dock in yeah. Scotland quite recently. Uh, good looking player, you know. Um, very a- a attacking right back, um, comfortable on the ball, uh, decent tackle on him. Uh, so that you know these, these these looked he looked like a Manchester United player certainly at first, and um, and George Graham of course you got you got a bit of elegance, a bit of style, a bit of nous there, uh, and and then of course Jim Holton who was to become. Really, as popular as a real a real, a real, fans' favorite,
2: yeah, absolutely. Um, for, for you mentioned all of those players there for different reasons, they've become hugely popular, popular. Uh, apart from George Graham, we'll, we'll come on to that. But for Scythe, you mentioned very good on the ball, very tenacious, and, and that tenacity was a very key ingredient that hadn't been in the O'Farrell United side because there wasn't a, a ferocious midfielder. Um, so to speak, so when, when he brought in Mick Martin as well when Docky brought him in Mick Martin, he had a little, a little bit of bite in midfield, but Holton certainly in the defence and Forsyth a right back, two key areas which had um desperately needed strengthening, and obviously yeah. for, for probably two years, United have been off, probably since Crerand retired United yeah. have been operating without a proper central midfielder, so yeah. to get Graham in and Martin, Graham seemed like a very sensible sign-in um, but again, one of those where United had probably missed a beat because Alan Ball just gone to Arsenal, which had necessitated Graham's move to United. Ball's yeah. father was a United season ticket holder, so Ball was a United fan. He'd been brought up in that way, so United, if they wanted to make that move, as I'm pretty sure that O'Farrell intimated that he did want to make that move and McGuinness before him had kind of tried to sound out a move for Alan Ball. If they'd have been more perseverant if they'd have persevered with that move they would have probably got ball over the line, but for whatever reason they didn't and they've ended up with George Graham. Um nevertheless, once these um this new group of players sells, um oh United do also suffer the um problem with um, Sammy McElroy in January as a car crash, um which punctures his lung for a moment there it looks like he might even lose his life but he punctures a lung he's out for the rest of the season so once they've got over this difficulty and once um, the Scottish lads and, and the two Irish have bedded better, in, although Daly doesn't make his debut until the following season, United do have an upturn in form. Um, Dockett is playing a little bit safer. There's there's a nominal 4-3-3, but he tries to make it a 4-4-2, which is a flat 4-4-2. Um, really? It's functional. It works. United win eight games from 12. And when you look at the table, considering the relegated team goes down on 32. Oh, sorry, on 30, I think it is, and United get 37 points. Those wins are desperately needed. Um, the two results are really key. They win in the return game against Palace, who do go down, and they win in a tense game over Norwich just before that. So that's a space a space of four or five days in April, which basically secures safety for United. Um that compact shape has really helped United um keep some clean sheets at a time when they desperately need it.
0: There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18-plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Then with that in the bag, as I say in the bag, safety in the bag, United have just about crept up to
2: 18th in the table, so they've staved off relegation. Docket is left with two key decisions to make, the decisions that O'Farrell was never allowed to make. Um, but we should also mention, on the same day that um, O'Farrell was sacked, George Best, who had been on the transfer list, even though like United were willing to take him off it, and there was lots of rumours about who would come in to sign him, such as Derby County, which would have been a very interesting move indeed for George Best, um, but he didn't. He didn't go there. He actually handed in a letter of resignation to the club, um, mm. saying I quit. On George Best um, headlined paper, mm. <laughs> as one would expect with a flourish, so he, he actually showed a lot of culpability in this letter, which which he. he delivered personally to the board saying I I feel like I've let you down kind of thing I can't be my best. That kind of thing was in the letter and um, it was publicized everywhere. Um that I mean again, that's a thing that you can find everywhere, that letter, the contents of it aren't um confidential by any means. Um, best admitting that, you know, he wasn't as dedicated as he as he was and he'd lost his way and that United would be better off without him. So he was gone for the second half of the season. He was absolutely he was basically gone from the game for good as far as everyone knew he was going to retire although there are a few skeptics in the press saying oh he'll be back he'll be back because of what happened in Spain the previous summer mm-hmm. but certainly for the second half of this season no George Best at Manchester United no George Best under Tommy Dockett he was living you know he's contracted to the club but he wasn't there um, the decision that Dockett did have to face um, was with Bobby Charlton and Dennis Law. Now, Bobby Charlton made the decision easier. And Docky had a bit of a conflict over this, didn't he? Because Charlton mm-hmm. went to um, Docky and said that he intended to retire anyway, so he was going to be gone at the end of the season. In retrospect, Docky has lamented the fact that he didn't fight order to keep him as his assistant, although that would have probably upset the apple cart with um, and You never know with Docky anyway whether or not he was saying that through sentimental hindsight or, you know, like with the benefit of hindsight, sure. But yeah. it definitely seemed to be something that he, he did think about, that he should have um, offered Charlton a job on the staff. Um, but the Dennis Law one was a, a lot more controversial. Charlton basically retired. He had this big fanfare at the end of the season against uh, Chelsea, um, where his retirement from Manchester United was, um, I mean, he retired as top scorer as well, seven mm-hmm. goals, which is another matter. Um, but Chollin retired at the end of a, a great Manchester United career. Dennis Law uh, was initially told he'd be kept on to see how... He had a year left on his contract, right, Paddy, and he was told he'd be able to see that out only mm-hmm. to return home um, for pre-season. to Aberdeen switched on um, Grandstand and was informed by the host of Grandstand that he'd been given a free transfer from Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the space of a few weeks, Chollin and Lowe both gone from United. How seismic was that at the time?
3: Yeah. Well it, it it was the it not perhaps not as as seismic as because everybody realized that Doherty was was building and the Doherty was taking on the task that maybe Franco O'Farrell hadn't been able to, to to perform, you know, this ruthless surgery. Um because you know make no mistake it was the whole it was all three of the what was it holy trinity or or whatever it was called Law, best and charlton doherty had privately washed his hands of george george best um at at this stage so all three were gone not only that um david sadler only 27 but a veteran of the of the european cup winning team uh, he was being bombed out as well he was Training for the kids. Um, uh, so Doherty's uh, surgery ver- verged on the ruthless, you know, um, which was needed. And he was able to do it because, unlike O'Farrell, Doherty was able to play Louis Edwards. Doherty was able to dominate, perhaps is the wrong word, but Doherty was able to get his way with Louis Edwards in a way that nobody since Matt had been able to do. He really <clears throat> he behaved like a like a Ferguson, you know, like, like a like a proper controlling manager. That was Doherty's Doherty had the charisma uh, and the and the strength of personality to do that. So the job that had needed to be done for a long, long time, Doherty was didn't shirk it. Uh, and this was, so to that extent, it wasn't mm. a, a, a seismic as you might think now looking back. Oh, best and Charlton, three Ballon d'Or winners, you know, yeah. being, you know, turfed out of the club. Uh, it didn't quite seem like that because they were faded forces. Well, George was because he wasn't there. Um, yeah. Dennis, because he was he was injured and ageing. Uh, and and Bobby simply because time had had caught up with him and he had thought, you know, I'm going to, I I want to go into management. He would had the offer from from Preston North End and decided to take it, which incidentally became a a solution for David Sadler because the the following season uh, uh, Charlton was to bring, uh, was to end Sadler's misery by taking him to Preston North End. Yeah, Tony Dunn
2: would also be moved on, perhaps. And he had a couple of years good in him, still in there. So there's division. another
3: European Cup.
2: So that's half the European Cup side gone in a matter of months. Yeah, it's just incredible turnover. Like you said, though, <laughs> um, the idea of it being a seismic thing. Docky as well, it should be said that the Edwards and Busby realise that one manager would have to be given the responsibility of doing this. You yeah. couldn't avoid it forever. One manager would have to oversee it. And maybe that was one thing. They'd um, come to an agreement privately over the fact that because O'Farrell had tried to make this change and it hadn't worked yes. for O'Farrell, yeah. I think possibly Busby and Edwards realised that the next man would have to be able to oversee that transition. And
3: In fact, yes, that's, that's true, because there is a sort of anecdotal evidence for this um, um, sort of, voluntary transfer of power that you're you're describing in that David Sadler uh remained bitter about this for years and, and rightly so because he'd been sort of promised a testimonial. Doherty um said that Tony Dunn's would be the last testimonial. That that's it. Um, and Sadler was advised, well go to Matt. He'll he promised you it. he'll sort sort you out. And Matt said, no, 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 I can't interfere. So it, the penny had finally dropped with Matt. From now on, I'm not sort of yeah. helping the manager. I'm not showing the manager the ropes. The manager is Tommy Doherty. I'm just the director. So yeah. that finally, that sort of
2: cord had been had been uh, snapped. Yeah. Um, Doherty steers United's 18th, which would have been unthinkable, um, even 12 months earlier, really, that you yes. had be in, in that kind of dogfight. But that's why they were And 18th from Dockey's starting position was actually a decent job, um, what he'd mm. done, especially that good run of eight wins in 12. So they were looking up um, in the Cups. United have been knocked out early. Uh, Bristol Rovers in the League Cup in the, in, in the second stage for United after overcoming a replay in the... Mm. The first attempt and knocked out in a replay to Bristol, and then Wolves in the third round in the FA Cup knocked United out. They also um, United participated in a, in a series of games that aren't in the official records. Paddy, the Anglo-Italian Cup, they placed they played against Fiorentina, Lazio, Bari, and um, Verona as well. um Charlton actually scored twice in the 4-1 win over Verona. Technically, his last game for the club. I, I Obviously, I know a lot of United historians. There's one tone, um, man called Tony who will argue until he's blue in the face that the Anglo-Italian Cup should be included in the club's official records um, because it's a mm. senior cup competition, which is included in every other club's official records. So... Charlton, who retired from United on 7-4-9 appearances and 2 mm. goals, it's actually something like seven five three and 2-5-1. Mm. And if you think that that's insignificant, first of all, it's not insignificant because it's Charlton's official United record. But second of all, United made a big deal out of um, mm. Ryan Giggs <clears throat> succeeding that. And when he succeeded that um, appearance record was when United won the European Cup in Moscow, that was the day Giggs broke that appearance record. He leveled it by scoring in the the league, win in 2008, and Mm then surpassed it by coming on as a substitute in Moscow. And that's what the club recognized. However, if these records should stand as one would presume that they should, because they were competitive games United played. Um, there's no reason, it wasn't like the Watney Cup or anything, it was an Anglo-Italian Cup which was an established competition international competition yes. um, yeah that's effectively that was Bobby Charlton's last game for the club um, even though the club um, recognised it as Chelsea we here to put the record straight <laughs> um, you can, I mean look my, my, even... my, my, you, Wayne you, you're too young
3: to remember but I, my recollection was that the Anglo-Italian Cup was uh, disparaged, but was treated as, it wasn't a friendly. Yeah. And I think that's the the criteria. And some might argue uh, that it was somewhere in between a competitive match and a friendly. But when you consider that, you know, take a look at the teams, you've probably got the lineups for the Anglo-Italian Cup. My recollection is that these were first-team fixtures. Mm. Um, and as you say, if the other clubs treated them uh, as as official games, maybe Manchester United should do.
2: The Charity Shield is a perfect example. It's, yes. That, gets, that ca- gets counted on the official records, so there's no reason
3: why... Uh, they that's, have yeah, that's, that's a very good criterion. I mean, you know, the Charity Shield, <clears throat> at the time we're talking about... Was a was was you, you you would play your full first team in? Now of course you, you probably use about nearly twenty players in the charity shield, um, but it's still treated as a as a serious match yeah. and uh, as an official match. And and yes, I, I I I fall down on your side that that the Anglo Italian Cup should be included in official. Record.
2: Okay, let's. Um, so we've got United out of the cups in the early stages and finishing eighteenth in the league. Um, let's go through the squad stats like we always do. Um, I'll put Tommy Dock on the screen there because we've got to give him his uh, little hello. And um, that's his um, presentation before the game against Leeds United, which wasn't his official first game in charge. That would come against Derby County a few days later, where United would lose um, three-one. A size at the size of the task although story story most scored in that um defeat so one little wrinkle for dot uh, for brian clough and yes um, yeah but darby went on to win and enjoyed a much better season than united for sure so yeah they let's go through the team the goalkeepers alex stepney is the first choice um 43 mm-hmm. games in all competitions 38 in the league The other four league appearances are taken by Jimmy Rimmer, the standing goalkeeper, who is soon to move on. Um, The defence, Martin Buchan, ever present in every single game, 47 games in all competitions, 42, of, of course, in the league. Ian Donald, we mentioned in the previous episode, he makes five appearances this season, four of those in the league. Tony Dunn makes his final 28 appearances for United, 24 of those in the league. Another of the squad defenders from the previous episodes that we've mentioned, Paul Edwards, makes one single appearance in the league. Mm -hmm. Tommy O'Neill makes 17 appearances, 16 of those in the league. Steve James makes 26 appearances, 22 of those in the league. David Sadler makes 22 appearances, 19 in the league. And then we bring, none of those, by the way, scoring a goal, which is going to become a common trend, <laughs> unfortunately, through this Manchester United squad. Uh, very low scoring season, indeed, as indicated by the Bobby Charlton stats I mentioned earlier. One player who did score was one of the new signings, Jim Halton, as we've already mentioned, and I'll bring him up now. Recommended to United by Harry Gregg, who was the manager of Shrewsbury at this point. Six foot two, eyes are blue, even though his eyes were brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, again, bringing you the facts, not the um, the stories. <clears throat> Alton, um, with the kind of physicality not seen since Bill Foulkes and the aggression that neither um, Martin Buchan or David Sadler possessed, he was hugely popular because of that. He scored three goals in 15 league appearances, a really strong start to his um, time at the club. <coughs> another mid, another defender, I should say, Arnie Sidebottom, makes two league appearances without scoring. Another of these um, sportsmen of multi-disciplines, um, more prominently remembered as a, a cricketer, of course. We spoke about years and footballers at United in the past. Sidebottom, definitely one of those. Came um, through...
3: Sorry, yeah, just going to say, but it, not only a, a cricketer of great note himself, but the producer of Ryan Sidebottom, his yeah. son, who, <laughs> who 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 was,
2: you know, an equally distinguished uh, cricketer, if not more so. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. He made two appearances this season for United. Central defender, wiring in comparison to the, the colossal flip frame of Jim Alton. Yes. Um, came through the youth ranks, another uh, lad from Barnsley, very, very popular player, um, mm-hmm. Arnie Sidebottom in the squad, um, great sense of humour, the other players loved him, Brian Greenoff absolutely adored him, um, but as we said, a much more talented cricketer as a bowler, um, but you've got to be talented as a footballer to make even a couple of appearances for Manchester United, so mm-hmm. commend him um, for being an incredible sportsman in both uh, regards, and um, mentioned alex forsyth earlier now he makes nine appearances this season um eight of those in the league as he will eventually become an accomplished right back but he makes his debut at left back um he was assigned to address that right back issue um with o'neill not being uh, a strong enough competitor on that side Signed Paddy for almost £100,000, um, which yeah. is a sizable um, transfer fee for a, a defender. He'd started his career at Arsenal yeah. as a junior before move, moving back to his motherland. Um, but yeah, definitely a fullback of immense promise. And like you quite rightly mentioned, Dockey had already given him um, his international bow. So he knew enough about him and was yeah. happy to have him in, in the squad. The other defenders in there, Tony Young, um, was the more prominent right back before um, the signing of Forsyth, and um, he made thirty-four appearances, no competitions, thirty of those in the league. Towards a sub, and the other defender was Willie Watson, who we mentioned in the previous episode. He made four appearances, uh, three of those in the league. Um, brings us on to the midfield. John Fitzpatrick makes six appearances, five of those in the league without scoring a single goal. Mick Martin, who we mentioned earlier um united were exercising their irish links to sign martin from bohemians he was like we said United needed energy and legs in the midfield and and docket was happy to have him one of the first signings of the club he'd already been an irish international for a couple of years he made um 16 appearances this season two of the uh, two of those are sub in the league but all of all of the appearances in league and two goals he scored as well sammy mcelroy with um one goal in 13 games, um, the goal came in the League Cup defeat and um, 10 appearances in the league, six as a sub, as his acclimatisation to the first team was um, a little bit more gradual under O'Farrell than the prominence started at the previous season, where obviously he made his debut scoring a few goals and then becoming a Northern Ireland international. A little bit more laboured in the second season, but then obviously he suffered the terrible misfortune of the the car crash in, in January. George Best, six goals in 23 appearances before um, his impromptu um, departure in December 4-19 in the league. Bobby Charlton, the top goal scorer, seven goals in 41 games, six in 36 in the league. Two of those as a substitute. Brings us on to the other players in the midfield. George Graham, as we mentioned earlier, another of those players given Scottish honours by Docker. Now, he had been, you already mentioned his, his class as a midfielder, he'd been a great midfielder for Arsenal and brought this sense of calm with his assured and composed style. Uh, he was also given the captaincy under Tommy Docker, but he, he struggled with the stage at United because, um, this is my phraseology, Paddy, and I don't know if, if you would agree or disagree with that, United United didn't need the ice, they needed fire. Yes, and Graham brought ice, but United desperately needed some kind of fire in there throughout the side, really, not just in midfield. And because of that, and because Graham wasn't um, the youthful upstart that United were kind of hoping, they were hoping for that kind of energy in the midfield because they didn't get it. And because Graham had been a veteran at Arsenal and probably seen his better days there, wasn't immediately um, popular with the United fans either. Um, not unpopular, I should say, but just didn't didn't set the um, pulses racing as they might have hoped, um, and as he might have hoped as well. Um, Trevor Anderson, mid, oh sorry, Graham played 19 games, 18 in the league, and scored a single goal. Trevor Anderson, uh, a midfielder who, you know, he. He, signed, he was signed by O'Farrell from Portadown around the same time as McDougal, um, as we'll come on to in a moment. Um, he was low profile compared to Davies and McDougal, to be fair. Mm. Uh, he came from Portadown. He made a decent impression in the reserves, uh, playing mostly in the wide areas. So he was given a chance in the first team under Tommy Docherty. Yeah. He made seven appearances, five as a sub in the league, and um, scored a single goal. Another of the lads who played a lot of reserve team football before coming into the first team was Peter Fletcher. Now he's a Manchester-born forward. He made his debut towards the end of the season with Doak. not sold on McDougall. Um, he, Fletcher hadn't been particularly prolific in the reserves either. He'd only scored five goals since October. You know he wasn't he wasn't pulling up a lot. Of cheese, and maybe that's a lot to do with. Um, the, Aston's departure, as well, the fact that United were struggling to bring through a, a lot of youth players. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Fletcher making just two substitute appearances towards the end of the season. Um, United really struggling with the forwards, it has to be said. Um, from there, we go to Win Davies. Wynne Davies now, um, like we've already mentioned, a veteran city forward, Welsh international, famed for his stints at Bolton and Newcastle. And he'd had a, a fairly decent year at Main Road, but everyone was surprised when this offer came up from United. Um, again, Doherty, one of those, the inherited that he just wasn't a fan of. So Davies made 16 appearances in the league, 17 in all competitions, scored four goals. Um, Doherty moved him on to Blackpool for 14,000 pounds in June, which is a 10,000 or 11,000 loss in just under a year. But he, he, he was just not featuring in Doherty's plan, so he had to move him on. Um, <coughs> Willie Morgan on the wing, four goals in 44 appearances in all competitions, four in 39 in the league. Ian Story more before injury um, on the training ground, struck him down, six goals in 30 games you would have probably gone on to be the top scorer, um, the most reliable informed player of the season. You would say, Um, certainly in an attacking sense, six goals in 30 games, five in 26 in the league. (coughs) And that should bring us on um, to the last two, which are Ted McDougall, first of all. Former Liverpool apprentice, um, McDougall makes his only 18 appearances and his only five goals are scored in this season now he moved down the leagues from liverpool and as we said earlier became renowned as a prolific scorer first for York city and then for bournemouth he scored those nine goals in an fa cup win over in margate i think bournemouth won that game 11-0 everyone in the country was watching to see what what mcdougall would do if anyone would take a chance on him loads of clubs um, linked with him in the pre-season of 1972 no one took a chance on him with united needing goals um, Bournemouth obviously saw United coming and charged a massive fee for him. Um, McDougall given big fanfare in the lots of newspaper press over um, his arrival. O'Farrell gave him a fair shake. Tommy Doherty did not take to McDougall, even less. Um, you would say win Davies, really. Um, yeah. and they had a very fractured relationship to say the least. Um, Dennis Lowe, two goals in. 14 games to see out his United career, one in 11 in the league, which um, very disappointing end to his United career. But obviously at this point he was very, um, very injured, <laughs> suffering yeah. these injections every game, barely training. Doherty even accused him of cheating his teammates, which was a bit unfair. I think Law was desperate to help them get out of the play that they were in, um, and. Desperate not to end his United career and the way that it ended. He was very, he was heartbroken by that. But obviously as anyone who was a keen historian of United, um, United stories will know De- Dennis Law's relationship with Manchester United. Firstly, he isn't over um, as an ambassador, but secondly, um, on a playing sense, there's a little bit more to come just yet. Um, Brian Kidd, um, Four goals in 25 appearances in all competitions. Four in 22 in the league. Again, Kid would have hoped that um, there wouldn't be the need for McDougall or for Win Davies that he would be yeah. the one to be given that responsibility. But he just wasn't. And um, yeah, yeah, that was the case. Lou Macari. Quickly, as we come to, that. he was on his Liverpool on his way to Liverpool before Paddy Creran directed the move and got to Manchester. Unlike some of the others, Macquarie was a bright young thing, a harasser in the front line. You might say in the form of Carlos Teres, even the way that he harried um, opposition defences. He was an established international, scored on his debut against West Ham. He wore Dennis Lowe's number 10 shirt, while Dennis Lowe took to the field wearing number four. A very unfamiliar sight indeed for anyone um, watching that. But then um, as the season wore on, I mean, McCorry ended up with five in sixteen in all competitions. Uh, well, in the league, I should say. Um, struggled with the weight of expectation. He was the man now expected to deliver all the goals scored by the three departed Ballon d'Or winners as we mentioned as we mentioned earlier. Um, this is a squad, a squad picture from the end s- towards the end of the season, where you got Tommy Doherty in in there and Tommy Cav alongside him, and uh, Pat Creran on the other side as well. Yeah. That's how the side looks towards the end of the season. United. Coloured... Sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Carry on.
3: Carry on. There's just a couple of points I would like to make in a, in a moment. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, just the red and the. Um, I just next excuse to put this beautiful shirt up. The yellow shirt, uh, which United, I think they're actually bringing one back for the 22-23 um, season. I don't know if it's quite in homage to their. Horrendous form wearing this for a couple of seasons, but um, they you know it's a lovely kit nonetheless. Um, yeah, Paddy, you're going to speak about the squad. Yeah, I was just going to say that that um,
3: the the, the season, two too little points in the season. I, I think it would be remiss of us not to say that this was to be the final season of John Fitzpatrick. Uh, United's first substitute, I think. What it, Is it, that right. Uh, apart and, from
2: um, the first official substitute because of course David Gaskell had come on as a substitute in the charity shield the first oh, substitute that's, that's that's right he'd been sort of virtually pulled out of the crowd hasn't he hadn't he had yeah. me Gaskell that's right
3: um, <clears throat> um, but yes, first official substitute and and one who, who who definitely had been plagued like his fellow Aberdonian Dennis law yeah. um, uh, this, this 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 was the end he was to retire. Um I, I think pretty soon after the 72 season drew to an end, that was one thing, but just to show that there was uh, it wasn't all doom and gloom uh, around Manchester United at the time. I can remember in, in Manchester we used to, there was a the mischievous quiz question uh, can you name two United players who have the same name as a flower? Um, and a lot of people got Dennis Violet. Uh, a lot of people said the second one, is it Jackie Blanche Flower? Well, there's no such flower as a, as a Blanche Flower. Um, so, who was the second Manchester United player who had the same name as a flower? No. McDougall. No. There's a famous brand of flower, McDougall's. <laughs> 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 that you make bread out of. Anyway, that was, so, you know, we we used to tell, the United, we, I wasn't the United supporter, but the people of Manchester uh, used to cheer each each other up by uh, catching their mates in the pub with that catch question. Anyway, I just thought I'd remind you of that. Even though you'd never heard of the flower, MacDougall's flower. I've I
2: never heard, I, but I, I could be sure that there was a Rose who played for United. I, that might have come after. A couple no, of Henry Rose was the journalist. No, there were a couple of lads called Rose, Matthew in really? the in the reserve. Yeah, oh, well, uh, I, I might have known. I couldn't get that one past you. No, but, but that was did. late. late <laughs> obviously, 1973. Um, yeah. I don't think they were born in 1973. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, um, yeah Fitzpatrick, right. you're quite right. 147 appearances and then goals. He was tied with yep. um, a great, great player and should have really have been um, that buy in the United midfield, what they were desperately needed. He, he provided it when he was fit, um, for sure, and and he would be sorely missed. And one of those really understated misses as United were going to kick on the yeah. season, because right. he would be in a natural player to um, step into that void. Um, the, the team... This is how it looked. Um, although you would say towards the end of the season that obviously you've got Forsyth coming in on the right and then okay. um, Holland in the middle as well. You know, um, th- these were the players that would have made um, a significant contribution to United. Yeah. But because of the f- and obviously you'd have Dennis Lowe, uh, sorry, Dennis Lowe, George Best, David Sadler. There are a lot of players in there, like Tommy O'Neill, Steve James. He's a, he is in there. Mick Martin, another one. A lot of players who made you know in the, the high teens of appearances, but um, yeah, but yeah, they, they just don't well, figure I, because I, Steve made slightly more. I,
3: I, yeah, exactly. It's a, this is probably the most difficult typical team you've ever had to do in this whole series, because I as you were talking. Earlier about the you know the, the players who'd made a contribution to the season, I lost count in, in the twenties. So yeah. it just kind of serves to illustrate just how transitional a time this was at Manchester United.
2: Yeah, near thirty players. It might well be thirty that played uh, a significant number. And yeah, I mean you've got a couple of players like Charlton and Buchan who and Willie Morgan who played and practically Morgan, every game. Yeah.
3: But, but, but then you struggle to find staples of the diet you know it, 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 it,
2: other than those you know yeah uh, which a contributing factor for the uh, difficult form of course um average attendance this season um, down slightly from forty seven thousand to 46 703 we've already mentioned a couple of times bobby charlin the top goal scorer um with seven goals six of those in the league but by the way i'm, I'm putting that that as a as a 4-3-3 which is how the season started it transitioned into a four um to a four four two a flat four yeah. four two which it would come um primarily after story Moore was injured and you would have like the likes of Trevor Anderson on the left. Um yeah. so that's how how that formation would have looked towards the end of the season the 442. The um you mentioned some of those players who were now at the end Fitzpatrick is one that's gone Tony Dunn, Bobby Chall and Dennis Law practically the end for Dennis uh, for David Sadler he only plays a few more games for United and um, the key results for this season, there's really only one that I look out uh, this season that sticks out like a sore thumb. I mean, yes, of course, you've got the 4-1 defeat at home to, Ch- uh, to Spurs. You've got the, the 1-0 loss at Chelsea, where Bobby Charlton retired. But the, yep. the headline result from the season is 5-0 defeat at there's no avoiding yeah, that. very true, um, so, yeah. Elsewhere in football. Liverpool won the league that's their eighth title so they're now branching out as the most successful british team um in history because so obviously the um the league titles are in the single figures at this point um Sunderland famously won the FA cup spurs not so famously but famously enough for them won the league cup the football league announced one big change that was to have serious ramifications for manchester united in the future they were going to implement to make the league a little bit more exciting party they were going to implement a new system a new relegation system because two up and two down wasn't exciting enough so they were going to make it three up and three down from the following season but fortunately for united they finished in 18th so even with three down, they weren't going to struggle. And now they got a new manager, lots of money spent. They're going to be safe and kicking on to better things. <laughs> because, because they are too good to go down. Right. With that in the bank, and that's the 72-73 season. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please give it um, a like and subscribe on YouTube. Um, if Obviously, you can join in the conversation in the comment section as well. If you're listening back to the audio podcast as well, please be sure to subscribe and give us a review on the platform you're listening on. We will be back next time to talk about Manchester United's 73-74 season.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.